0: From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. And today we're talking with investment advisor representatives Adam Morse and Janet Griffith. The market uh, news has uh, been less than favorable as of late, no surprise. There are a lot of things uh, politically we could talk about, a lot of geopolitical problems, a lot of economic topics we could discuss. Uh, Those discussions are infinite and ongoing. Today we wanna talk about how to have the metal to get through times like these. You know, we live in a market where investors aren't timid. They will pull out when volatility happens. But today, Adam Morris and Janet Griffith talk about the wisdom behind having the metal to stay in the market. And to weather times like these. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Keep it simple each and every week. You could email us both podcast suggestions at podcast at acidbuilder.com. You can also find the show notes for every episode at assetbuilder.com/slash podcast. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And hey, if you like us, tell a friend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get to the show.
1: So, how are you guys doing today? We're back in the office. Back in the office feels good. It's nice to nice to look you guys right in the whites of the eyes.
2: It is. It's Get great. To, uh, great to see you, Jared, in person. Yeah, you too.
1: <laughs> Do yeah. I look so, any different?
2: Um, no, you look a little relaxed.
1: You look taller to me when you walked in. <laughs> I look taller. It might be because well, I think it's the shorts. <laughs> oh, I'm not used to seeing your shins. Yeah, so many <laughs> beautiful <laughs> long legs. <laughs> Just visually, like you're so like, dark
2: has, complected. Have you, you been are. in the sun or is that?
1: I
0: do tan easy. It's a bragging point of mine. I do tan easy. When you work from home, do you like sit
1: outside sometimes to work or no?
0: No, but I do go on walks outside because I get too restless. Just too antsy. Mm -hmm. Too ADD to sit in a room that
1: long. So, what do you do when you walk? Like, do you listen to something or you just just free your mind?
0: Usually it's a brainstorm. So, usually I'll have like my notes app open. And I'll text a speech a lot. So, like, I'll just kind of throw a lot of random. This is a weird creative thing, but I'll just throw random stuff. to say, that is such a musician move. I (laughs) would never do something like that. But it's just so classic. Yeah. (laughs) It works, though, right? It does. It does. Some of my most dumb things have come from those Mm -hmm. sessions, but also smart things. But You just got to get them down. It's pretty
2: cool. I should try something like that. I'm more of a just, I don't want anybody to talk to me. I don't want to think about it. But, of course, you're thinking about something. You're always thinking. Let's try
1: it on our next clarity break. Okay. We'll go for a walk with our notes app and okay. just see what happens. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. It's like journaling.
0: It's just yeah. like journaling.
1: Yeah. 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 Cool. So that's it with me. What about you guys? Oh, boy. I mean, You're personally, so busy. I know. Work's been nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit. Personally, man, I got young kids. It's almost summertime.
2: Mm-hmm. My
1: girls just wrapped up
2: transition uh,
1: spring volleyball season. Cool. Got second place in the tournament. One of these days we'll do an episode on insane sports parents. Somehow we'll tie it back into what we do, but man, it's a trip. It's a trip, but I survived. There were no altercations with parents. It was relatively, relatively uh, civilized. So yeah, it's been good though. So since the last time we talked, um,
0: the market has continued to spiral and that's part of what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, And it feels, and at least that's what it feels like from the news I've watched and read. Adam and Janet can you explain what in tarnation is going on? Yeah, can you, can you define tarnation for me? I'll see if I, I can. Can't.
1: Um, yeah, so I mean, a lot of it is just kind of continuing. We we've talked a lot on this podcast recently over the last maybe six months or so about inflation, and um, that's a lot of the core of this is inflation's continue to run up. So, yeah. um, obviously, I mean, we can all feel that right as people. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we do. My wife and I every Sunday we order groceries and. Man, you can feel it. I've probably talked about that before. Like, it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. You know, hundred bucks, hundred twenty bucks a week higher. I mean, that's real money that you feel. Filling up the gas
2: tank. Yeah, of course.
1: So you absolutely feel that. Um, And so as a result, the Fed has started this aggressive rate hiking strategy, and they were very open that they were going to do that. while they've said that in the past, I don't think many people thought they would balk this time, and sure enough, they didn't. So a week before last, or maybe it was last week now, um, they hike rates by fifty ba- basis points, half of one percent. So that has a lot of knock-on effects, right? So the first, most obvious thing is that's going to hurt fixed income values at mm-hmm. least. At least and by fixed income, that's just another word for bonds, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about equity and bonds, that's stocks and bonds. So stocks is something that you own, you own equity in a company, you're part owner. Bonds is basically you're loaning money to an entity, and then they're repaying you interest on that loan. That's all a bond is. It's It's a loan that you give to a government, sometimes a corporation. So interest rates have a massive impact on bonds. Well, the reason why is that if I have a bond that I bought two years ago, well, I bought that bond when rates were lower rates are now higher. So now if I want to sell that bond, I'm now competing in a marketplace where if Jared, you come to me wanting to buy a bond, if you're a bond investor looking for a bond, why would you ever buy my bond? that's, let's just say theoretically is paying 2% when there's a new bond being issued today that is paying two and a half percent, right? Well, you wouldn't unless, I gave you a discount on buying my bond, right? In the form of a price decrease. Mm-hmm. That's what we're seeing in the bond market today is that because rates are going up, all the currently issued bonds that for the most part today make up the bond marketplace have relatively lower rates. And so that price has to go down as a market mechanism to make them attractive to new investors in the marketplace. So, right. um, that, that hurts in the short term, um, mm-hmm. largely retirees, but any fixed income investors. So we're, we're seeing depressed bond values. And then obviously on the equity side, we're seeing stocks drop like a rock. And that's probably a little bit more complex of an issue. There's, as always with, with stock prices, there's a lot of variables involved. Um, one is... There's just a general sentiment, I think, that with higher interest rates and with inflation, there's gonna be reduced economic activity, right? So the expectation forward-looking is things are probably gonna slow down a little bit. Money's Mm -hmm. harder to come by, there's gonna be less investment, less access to easy capital. And so there should be reduced economic activity and output. Um, But I would also say that there's been kind of this interesting anomaly of the post-pandemic stocks, right? We all kind of follow these pandemic stocks Back in 2020, we saw Netflix, we saw Amazon, we saw Facebook, all these companies that absolutely exploded as mm-hmm. kind of a byproduct of all of us being home, yep. having all this this probably otherwise that wouldn't have been just down idle time. Now we have a, a, a kind of a surplus of idle time. So we bought stuff on Amazon and we watched more movies and TV shows and all these stocks exploded to never seen heights. Um, and all of a sudden, now that the world's opened back up, well, all those companies are now going through their earnings mm-hmm. and, and they're reporting mm-hmm. reduced earnings. They're, they're getting right. back to pre-pandemic levels. And so yeah. it's almost like we've come out of this daze where we go, oh, that's right. Like <laughs> the real world exists. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. These these revenues aren't going to stay in place for forever. And so um, one after the other, after the other, we're seeing these companies, and when I say these pandemic stocks, I'm talking largely like the FANG stocks, right? These high-tech, high-growth stocks yep, yep. Um, are missing their earnings targets. Um, and then on top of that, we're seeing like retail stocks. I mean- we talk about high gas prices well mm-hmm. someone like target or walmart they do a lot of shipping they do a lot of of transit to manage their inventory and those higher costs hit them too so they're missing their targets and with active investors these things start to tumble on and, and it's just everywhere you look it's it's negative sign negative sign negative sign and so that yep. just drags down all these different indexes and so um Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what we're seeing. I would give, I I would say those are the bullet points of, of what we're seeing and why we're seeing it. Well, that sounds, that sounds pretty
0: bleak. Yeah. And it makes me kind of sad.
1: Well, Um, yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, I get that and I don't think you're alone. Yeah. I really don't think you're alone. I think there's probably a lot of people feeling that way. Yeah. And I mean, nervous, of course, I'm just joking, but um, is there any good news to report?
2: Yes, absolutely. And there's always good news. We have to look for the positive, right? It is very unsettling, uh, you know, especially if you're probably retired and you're drawing down on your portfolio, you might be going, oh, when is this going to end, yeah. right? Um, but if we have learned anything from the past, it's that it is short-lived. I right. Right. Uh, how short? We don't know. How long is it going to last? We don't know. But it eventually will turn around. And when it does turn around, the thing that we've learned is that the returns coming out of a recessed market like this are generally pretty big. So we do have a chart that Adam found for us from Dimensional, DFA, um, showing some returns after a market decline. So after a 10% market. Decline. A one-year return average is about twelve and a half percent. Three years after a ten percent market return or market decline has proven to show approximately an average of thirty-four and a half percent. And then your five-year average cumulative return after a ten percent market decline is sixty-eight point eight percent. So Not those bad. are some big numbers. Mm. And it's even higher after a twenty percent market decline, and even. Well, thirty uh, percent is a little bit. So, is this on lower. average?
1: To- yeah, this is on average. Okay. So, yeah. so they tabulate all the ten percent declines, all uh-huh. the twenty percent mm-hmm. declines, all thirty percent declines, mm-hmm. and, and I will stress this goes back to nineteen twenty six. So, so before the depression, even that's, that's right. The, this right. is not this is not short term data. We're not cherry picking data here. We're looking at, at long term market data mm-hmm. that says, you know, what what is inherent about markets that we can extract and and make decisions based upon.
0: Yeah. So the rub is like, what if you need to pull your money out before those five years? that's four of those three years great mm-hmm. question yeah that's right. a, so
1: so let's just talk about that right okay. so um one of the things i think that we wrestle with a lot when we talk to clients it, human nature like when bad things happen we go into fight or flight right like mm-hmm. and, and fight or flight means you're taking an action if you're fighting mm-hmm. you're going you're running toward the obstacle if you're if you're running you're getting away from the obstacle but in either case you're doing something and so I think it's built into our DNA. It's built into our code that mm-hmm. I need to do something. I, I perceive a threat, thus what action do I take? And we can debate what that action is, mm-hmm. but take action. Mm-hmm. And for some people listening, you very well might need to take an action, mm-hmm. right? You might need to increase your diversification, right? You might need to reduce your costs when it comes to investment. Um, you might need to reduce the, the amount of risk inherent in your portfolio, mm-hmm. But if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time and you've done the things that we always talk about doing, which is indexing, Mm -hmm. be broadly diversified Mm -hmm. across asset classes, across geographies. Keep Um, your
2: fees low. You're keeping
1: your fees low. You're not chasing the most recent thing, right? right? You're not chasing crypto. You're not chasing the fang stocks, right? Which would be destroying you right now. Um, If you're in a risk-adjusted portfolio, Mm -hmm. then you, in theory at least, if you've done it properly – you shouldn't have to make any mm-hmm. changes. So, and then we can walk through exactly why that is. So you mentioned, well, what if I need to pull my money out, right? Okay, so let's say you're a retiree. Let's say yep. you retired in 2018. Yep. So maybe you retired with $2 million. And well, let's, make it, let's make it more control. Let's say a $1 million. So the odds for anyone that you're going to need to pull out all of your money at any one time are relatively low, mm-hmm. right? So what do you think is a reasonable number? I think if we said 30% of your portfolio for any one thing. Right. And that's a catastrophic event. Yeah. If you need to pull out $300,000 at one time, well, you should already be in a portfolio that has accounted for that possibility Mm -hmm. and has accounted for the fact that, well, we may not know when that volatility is going to hit or why it's going to hit, but we should make the assumption that it's going to hit. Yeah, right. So if you're already in a risk adjusted portfolio, you should have a significant amount of your allocation in fixed income that yeah, it's not going to be flat, but it will at least it will at least be more reliable than equity, right? Mm-hmm. And of that fixed income allocation, which we do here on the management side, I would strongly suggest you having a really short duration fixed position that represents anywhere from you know, eight to 15% of your portfolio so that you can access a really stable position at any given time Mm -hmm. to fund that need. Right. Now that sounds common sense. And if you don't invest on a regular basis or think about investing, you probably couldn't poke a hole in that. But if you wanted to poke a hole in that, you could say, well, but why wouldn't I do that? That sounds really easy. Mm -hmm. And the flip side of that decision is when markets are up, your that, growth is slow. Your growth is going to be slower relative yeah. to if you didn't do that. Right. So you have to make this trade-off, right? And, yeah. and what most investors try to do is get the best of both worlds. Yep. Yeah. They want all the growth when it's good and none of the downside mm. when it's bad. And the data just shows that's a really bad idea. You're, you're not going to be able to achieve that. Mm. That's going to result in worse than market returns. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose to the index. And the index is what is there for the taking. Right. So... If you find yourself in that scenario, I hope you're in a properly diversified, risk-adjusted portfolio. But if you're not, then what I would suggest that you do is if you don't have to access that capital, maybe wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wait yep. for markets right. to correct slightly. Wait yep. to get back to a more comfortable position across the across the market. And then immediately take action. Mm-hmm. Immediately get into yep. that diversified portfolio. By diversified, I mean... I mean multiple index funds. I'm not talking, you know, 100 different mm-hmm. stocks. That's right. not diversified. Right. Um, become properly diversified and properly risk adjusted, so that when we come through this again, you'll be in a much more comfortable right. situation.
0: Love it. Almost That's feel like great. we end it right great there. Advice.
1: Yeah. I mean, I well, I think it's interesting too, though. So, Janet, do you want to walk through this one? Or uh, I'm a huge fan of this this data point, and I've been going through this with clients nonstop the yeah. last couple weeks. Um, I shouldn't say nonstop, but to the clients that have lost a little bit of sleep i think it's really powerful because janet i mean you mentioned how quickly markets come back but yep. it's important to understand that even in that comeback so in two of those time frames the 10-year decline and the 20-year decline within one year in both you're already back right right like you, your your whole portfolio yep. now in all scenarios within three years and now you're back in the black and you're growing within yep. five years But over that five years, that growth is very likely to occur in a really small percentage of those days. So kind of the way we can encapsulate this, if you go back to uh, 1990 Mm -hmm. and you look at the next 20 years of market trading days of the S&P 500, I'm sorry, 30 years from 1990 to 2020, if you invested $1,000 on January 1 of 1990 and left it, you didn't touch it a single day. You didn't add money. You didn't take money out. You just put it in and walked away. If you came back at the end of 2020, you would have $20,451 today in that account mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Well, at the end of 2020, over oh, a 30-year period. So that's pretty good. I mean, now yeah. we don't really have much to compare that again. So maybe if I'd put it in Apple, I'd have four times that much. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's possible, but the likelihood that you'd be able to hold on through that ride is very low. So I think that's a good benchmark. So at the very least, yeah. What was that? What was that
0: funny study that was like Vanguard's best performing accounts had actually passed away
1: uh, uh, Were people who yeah. had actually passed away? Well, so we'll talk about the Remind me to talk mm. about the Magellan fund. Okay. When we get done with this. It's similar to that. Okay. Um, but just kind of in an effort to set a benchmark, right? Like at the very uh-huh. least, if you're an equity investor, you should get market return. That's just there for the taking. So you should get it. So if you did that, you'd get about $20,500. Now, over that 30-year period, if all you did was miss the single best performing day that the S&P 500 started, 30 years, if you just missed one day, but it was the best performing day, you would end that same 30-year period with $18,300. So less, so less. one day. Yeah, out of 1,700 of that came from one day. Yeah, if you missed the best five days, you end with just under thirteen thousand. Yeah, and then I'll skip to the what I think is the most impactful. If mm-hmm. you missed the twenty five best days in the market for the S and P five hundred, just ranked each daily return and you got rid of the top twenty five, you only end with forty three hundred dollars, forty three seventy six to be exact.
0: And there's no way you're timing that 25 times over 30 well, years. Well, it
1: just represents that there's a really small window of time that provides most of your return. Yeah. And every day that you're out of the market represents a day that you might miss most of that mm-hmm. comeback. Yeah. And the only way to guarantee you don't miss that is to stay in. Yeah. And I, I just think that's so, I mean, there's mm-hmm. such a big difference. I mean, you think about the difference between 20.4 thousand and $4,300 and yeah. that's what investors mm-hmm. are are doing to themselves every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they don't even realize it yeah, because they're in and out, in and out, in and out. So if you can just internalize that idea Mm -hmm. and it it can help you to, I think, see through, like we talk about this a lot internally, like a a 10 year view, right? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Yeah. And if you can look at this and go, well, at the end of 10 years or 20 years, I want to be the guy that started with a thousand and ended with 20,000 that can help kind of filter out the decisions that I'm being approached with today that oftentimes are just noise. Like I don't actually yeah. have to make that decision. I can yeah. just ignore it. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah. And Janet had a good point. I think last time talking about, you know, 30 or 20 years seems like a super long time, but even if you're in your fifties, you can still
2: oh, yeah. invest still, for that long. Right. It's still a long investment time ahead of you. Time horizon for sure. You know, uh, one of the things we do for Uh, clients as we're working with them, helping them to choose the right strategy or allocation to meet their needs is we'll show them um, historical returns and we'll show them the best return and the worst return in a one-year period. Mm -hmm. And all of the funds that we've used uh, or that we use are show 2008 as being the worst return right now. Uh, in all of our portfolios. But 2009 still shows to be the best return in all of them. So that's Mm -hmm. proof right there that, yes, 2008 was very rough, uh, very difficult because it was a long period of time that the markets were down. But they earned their money back within a year and then some. So Mm. so we like to show that to our clients for two reasons. One, we want them to know that potentially – they may go through a time like that. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. setting and,
1: expectations for right. what the experience could right. be. Right, so. And, it, and inevitably is. Inevitably. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's kind of the, the humility, I think, baked into what we do every that's day. That's a good word for it. Right, like the mm-hmm. humility the, that we base our approach in is we, we are incapable of, A, predicting the future, and mm-hmm. B, behaving in a way that could capture that advantage even if we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really important to think about that, and and to make decisions with that humility, because then then it it's not hard for you to trade off the potential return, because you've already acknowledged I like, I can't capture that. That's that's mythical. That yeah. is out there, and they've done studies. So we'll talk. So you mentioned, um, so the Magellan Fund. I love this story. Yeah. So there was a famous fund at Fidelity um, called them. I think it was Fidelity called the Magellan Fund, and it ran from I think 1976 to 1990. And I think it was managed by a guy, I might get this wrong, but I think it was a guy named Bill Richardson. And I hope it was Bill Richardson. Bill, if you're out there and you didn't, <laughs> sorry, let us know. Um, but anyway, he's a legend because over that time period, I think they returned, it was either 24 or 26% annualized, which of course just murdered the index, like mm-hmm. destroyed the market. Yeah. Um, and so of course, like everyone just goes along their merry way and saying, wow, that guy's a legend. What a great fund. Did so good for everybody. Well, a couple of years later, they came back and did some analysis and they actually looked at investors of that fund. And it turns out that the average investor, if you just reached into a bag of investors that invested in that fund and pulled someone out, that investor was more likely to have lost money than to have made money. And you think, how in the world is that possible? How can you have a fund that is getting 26% per year, every single year for 14 years, you should have quadrupled your money every, every four years, every five years. That's so silly. And it's because, well, that's why behavioral finance is a field. Yeah. So what they found <laughs> is that most investors piled into the fund on the heels of a really good year because they look at the best mm-hmm. funds. They go, ooh, right. I want that. That right. looks yeah. amazing. So they pile their money in. But statistically speaking, if you just had a great year, that means you're more likely to have a reversion to the mean year. You're going to have an underperforming year. And so by the time they get in, they're signing up right to have a mediocre year, at least by their perspective, they have a mediocre year or two mm-hmm. and they file out of the fund. And that's the behavior of investors in general. And so yeah. even if, and that's like the rare example of, even if there was a, a magical investment that we could, and like there's been articles titled I've seen in the past, like what if Jesus was an investor? Yeah, right? like yeah. could Jesus mm-hmm. beat the market, right? And it's these types of stories that go to show like it's not, it's really not attainable. Yeah, even if we knew it was, mm-hmm. we as in, we as human beings, on balance, just don't have the makeup to to avoid those biases. That's why they're mm-hmm. biases. So you yeah. have to invest in a way that excludes those decisions from the decision mm-hmm. set. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Don't time the market. Yeah. So our original point was that we were talking about all of the doom and gloom that's going on, how to weather those situations, um, which is to hang on tight,
1: hang on tight. Absolutely. But also, I mean, Jana, why don't you speak? Cause we were having a good conversation earlier about, um, you know, we're, we're trying to fly through client mm-hmm. meetings. We, we have goals that we try to hit internally of, Hey, we need to meet with all of mm-hmm. our clients. We want to talk to our clients as much as we can. And we measure that on a weekly basis. And so, um, it's always interesting as a team to get together and talk about how those conversations right. are going, especially <laughs> when we're, when we're going through times like this. And we mm-hmm. talked about that earlier. I want Janet to kind of talk about, it's been kind of refreshing actually.
2: So I mentioned 2008 being a difficult year and, and as a builder, our company started in 2007, 2006, 2007. I wasn't here then, but I've heard the stories of what a challenge that that year was for the advisors so when we went into um, twenty started out twenty twenty with the pandemic, there I had a lot of fear in me of like, oh no, I'm bracing myself for for what's going to happen with with our clients' investments and all of that. Well, that turned out to be pretty short lived. So now here we are in twenty twenty two and we're four and a half months into the year. Um, and it's been a difficult year for investing, right? Mm-hmm. Or for our investments. It's a good year, probably, to, to get into the market. by it's by good now. Year to buy. But, um, but, but anyway, it's so te- we're it's tested
1: investors' commitment,
2: right? Mm-hmm. And it we're has. and Adam mentioned our client meetings. So yeah, I've been sending out uh, emails every week to clients to schedule reviews with them, and and I have every week is booked with meetings mm-hmm. and. And I've even had clients say, aren't you afraid to call us or talk to us right now? And I said, well, there might be a little fear, but I have to face my fear, and I have to help you face any fear you might be having. Mm -hmm. And and they've all been great. It has been a great experience. Um, They've been through it before. They know. They've possibly been through 2008. They've certainly been through uh, 2020 and they know that there is an end to this, and they know that it's not, it's not detrimental to, to their investment if they're in the right strategy. We do talk about uh, their current allocation, and, and yep. every one of them so far are, are still good with, with where they're at, with their strategy, with their planning. Uh, they know that, that they're going to be okay. So
1: yep. So everybody calm down. Everybody that's calm what Adam down. Saying. Everybody, yeah. Miss Janet. Everybody, oh, everybody calm down. And, and that's <laughs> yes. to be clear, like that's not Janet, you know, tooting our own horn. To use an yep. no. old phrase, I mean, that's that's just a, a credit to the philosophy, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the benefit of this right. philosophy is it allows you to let go of that anxiety, right? If you can, yeah. if mm-hmm. you can look at it that way, um, and it's not out of ignorance or out of, and I, I can mm-hmm. hear some of you right now and don't even come at me with, oh, this is new. This is different. This is unprecedented. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely not. We hear that every time. Hit us up in the show notes or email us. Um, You can't hit us up in the show notes, so don't do that, but send us (laughs) an email if you're one of those people and I'll be happy to send you a modified version of some market commentary that we sent to our clients recently. Demonstrating why this is not new, um, factually, with data, mm-hmm. and, and it'll it'll help you sleep better. But, yeah, um, yeah just take a breath, calm down.
2: I, I will say also that our clients, the ones that don't check their investments every day, mm-hmm. generally have a good attitude about it. Uh, well,
1: and they have better outcomes.
2: Yeah, yeah, because they know. They know if they look at it, they might get yeah. upset they might get worried or whatever so they they just leave it alone we have a few that obviously watch it every day and they want to talk more about uh stock picking or or right. you know they want to pick your brain on what what sectors do you think are gonna mm-hmm. start doing better now and and my answer is always the same doesn't matter what i think yep. because we don't know we don't know all we know is that if we stay True to your strategy, stay diversified, um, stay in your index funds. Then, yep. then eventually, you're going to come out on top. So,
1: man, sounds good. I wish so badly as you were talking about that. It's just, uh, just to give a little tease, we're we're working on a little series that that we're going to roll out um, in the next couple of episodes, and I think it 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 would fit so beautifully with this topic today. I'm going to hold off. I was convinced <laughs> by people. Janet being one smarter than me. That no. hey, let's, yeah, let's go <laughs> <No>. slow. <Yes. laughs> Absolutely, and I'm not. That doesn't even hurt just me. Older, to say no. No. maybe
2: a little bit more experienced no. in a few things, but Adam, smarter and wiser. You're
1: the smart guy um, here. <laughs> but her. so we're going to hold off. But we have we have some things coming um, that I think will speak to this, and I think it'll be really interesting because it's it's certainly related to finance and, and investing, which is what we do. But it's also just interesting in general from a right. human standpoint. So keep a lookout for that.
2: Um, so we're going to dive into Let's explain a little bit. We're going to d- dive into your personality traits and yep. how that affects your financial decisions, Love your it. investment decisions. Yeah, we're going to so ask you cool. to do,
1: we're going to ask you to do a little introspection, a little homework on mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. A little, uh, a Me little, personally, absolutely. You need it more than anybody. <laughs> uh, true. <laughs> we're going to work on our mindfulness though. We're going to work on, um, we're going to talk about, how to understand yourself better and even your spouse, which I think is a big part of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, or or even, even those around you, right? right? How to interact with those people better, how to be more self aware. Um, and that's good, that has benefits for investing and for just for life. <laughs> Sounds so good. It's stuff we practice here internally mm-hmm. and talk about a lot. So we're excited about that. Um, in the meantime, yeah, if you like what we do, man, leave us a review, rate us. We love getting emails from you guys every week, so please send us emails with questions. We like to like to touch base with you and see how we're doing. If you have any feedback for us, let us know. Miss Janet,
2: I agree. Great advice. Great stuff, Adam. Thank, hey, thank you.
1: Good job, Janet. High five. Proud of you. <laughs> Jared, five. Actually, Jared doesn't get one. Oh, Whatever. Nice. He's wearing shorts. That's fair. <laughs> They're jorts. Oh, actually. I will say, just ordered my first pair of jorts in a long time. You will never go back. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) You will never go back. Jeans shorts.
2: Oh, okay. You
1: definitely know what they are. Okay, I got it. I'm sure your husband (laughs) definitely had them back in the day. Probably played slow pitch softball in some if I know him. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, first time I took them out for a spin, sister-in-law roasted me. Who cares? Now now my confidence is shaken, so we'll have to talk offline about how to- Talk you out of the jorts. No, she didn't talk me out of them, but I'm less- I'm a little shaky, so I need you to give me a pep talk on how to rock them. <laughs> Just rock them, man.
0: Rock them with full blown confidence. Just be you. Have a big smile. Okay. And they make fun of your George to say, yep. Yeah. But they look good.
2: That's true. There you go.
0: And they feel good. What more do you need? Yeah. More importantly, <laughs> they feel good. Yeah. Because they make jeans now with all that stretch material. Yeah. <laughs> Fire. Yeah. Fire. I love it. All right, guys. We better end before we get really yeah. derailed. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Thank you guys for your time. All right. I'll Appreciate it. talk to y'all later. Thank you, Jared. You Thanks Bye. for coming Bye. up here. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit AssetBuilder.com. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, AssetBuilder.com podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.